Hi, I'm Katja Williams, the Rural Mum, and welcome to the farm. Today, I'm joined by Tracy. Welcome, Tracy. Thank you. Good to be here. It's a little bit windy outside, so today we are inside and talking. You've married the farmer. Now what? So, Tracy, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Okay, I have a bit of a convoluted background. I actually come from a farming family. We started off around Armatry when I was little, then we moved to west of Moree in the Gingham Watercourse country. At the end, when I left school, I decided that I probably didn't want to stay in a rural environment and I went off to university. It was within the first couple of weeks there, I realised that that is probably not what I wanted to do, that I was actually pretty rural-based and farmers weren't actually rural in the country at all. That wasn't my experience. And so I thought, well, okay, you sort of started to work your way back a little bit. I did spend some time working west of Moree um, or, and working in, in Moree itself after I left uni. I have then spent time in the Gulf, I have spent time in the Northern Territory and I have spent time in Canada to come back to Dubbo. Very well <laughs> travelled. All around the world and I'm back in Dubbo. Uh, I did marry a fellow here in Dubbo. We ended up buying our own place north of Dubbo at one stage. Then I've done the whole divorce thing and now I've sort of, well, not married Terry, but anyway, repartnered, married, same thing. And are still in the farming side of things. So. Beautiful. That's so what does your farming enterprise look like now? Okay, farming enterprise now is one of the larger ones in central New South Wales. My hubby is in partnership with his brother. Their family has been in the area since 1840. They've had the original family farm since 1895. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a whole, I'm right into family history too, so I get right into this side of things. But we are broadacre croppers, we have wheat, barley, canola, lupins, chickpeas, sometimes rye corn, sometimes oats in the mix. We also have a fair few cattle and we trade sheep. <laughs> busy. <laughs> a little bit busy. We also have a heap of headers, we also contract harvesting at Moree. Beautiful. <laughs> It does keep you busy. And we have a heap of trucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just because you're not busy enough. <laughs> yeah, nothing better to do. So got, to, you know, got a few trucks too under mass management. That's right. You can never just have one. <laughs> That's really good. And how does your family structure look? Okay, the family structure, well, my immediate family structure is Terry, myself and my son from my first marriage. So it's like, that's it. But then Terry's, and obviously, well, most of my Bloodline is west of Moree yep. and, and in southern Queensland and places like that. So I'm down here in this nest of Cornishes, which is Terry's family. So he's, because he's in partnership with his brother, of course, you know, Pam is also in there as well. And Joe's three boys are all tangled up in the family farm. So it's a bit of an um, intergenerational family farm set up, of which I'm, I'm a little bit of an outsider. I'm the way, you know, Will and I are the outsiders in the whole operation, but you just have to make that work. Yeah, that's what it is. And, and Terry and I are both on our second marriage, so. Yeah. I'm glad you found each other. <laughs> As it turns out, we've probably been ships in the night passing since God knows when because where they started contract harvesting west of Moree was actually next door to where Mum and Vaughan live and mm -hmm. we know a lot of people in common, their headers were going straight past our place the whole time. We could see them from the road, and because they had even had a heap of headers in the 90s and whatever else, sometimes when those headers were going past, if there was more than two, you'd go out and watch them go past. Turns out it was probably this. <laughs> and then I'd go past to go to Grant Pub, and it was 
probably him in the paddock at Murphy's harvesting. Yes. <laughs> How magical that things lined up later in life when you have all those connections. It is. It also means that when we go to functions together somewhere, um, generally we both know people at those functions because we actually know a lot of people in common. Yep. That, so why our paths didn't cross earlier on, they, it just is what it is. It is what it is. It was meant to be and it, and it came. And it came, <laughs> eventually. <laughs> so on a daily basis, um, what, are your, what does your role look like on the farm? My role varies a little bit depending on, A, the seasonal conditions, because as we all know, things change during the season, you know, whether it's harvest, whether it's sowing, whether we're doing cattle work, whatever else we're doing. Basically, I, like I hold a Bachelor of Business, I majored in accountancy, some of the work that I've done in town has always been, I've been company accountants, I've been you know, doing all that sort of stuff, so I'm fairly grounded in that side of things. I have taken on doing our book work when the bookkeeper quit in 2020 I actually took on the book work for this business as well it's a reasonably large business so that in itself is just about a full-time job before that I was doing the budgeting and liaising with the bank and liaising with the accountants and stuff anyway so it's like you just yeah. keep going and keep that side of the go from my side of things I'm also a reasonably practical person so even though I know the paperwork side of it and like I said, that is just about a full-time job in itself in this business because between your payroll and everything else, Monday is, Monday is sit in the office day, it is get everything up to date, it is do the payroll. Yes, you have book work happening for the rest of the week as you're trying to scrounge things up and get things in order, but that, that's a set day. If we're doing cattle work, yes, sometimes I'm in the yards with them, that's just the way it is. If we're doing sheep work, sort of Joe and his boys aren't all that keen on the sheep work, sometimes it's better if I'm in the yards because I might just have a little bit more patience. <laughs> yes, I hear that quite often with sheep. Yeah. Um, so if, if, we, if we've got crutching or shearing going on and we haven't got enough rouseabouts or shed hands and stuff, well, okay, sometimes I've got to be the rouseabout. That's just, yes. that's just the way it is if we're doing cattle work. Sometimes I'm over there doing cattle work. Sometimes, at the moment, I've got six potty calves into the bargain. That's yeah. like just... You're doing whatever needs to be. When we get at harvest time, um, we have a staff of around about 25, so I camp out at Aligalar with them. I do the cooking, as well as the payroll and everything else. With that many people, you can't have them coming in and trying to do all their washing when they knock off at night, so it's like I actually, I'd be nice to them, do all their washing for them as well, just to try and keep things moving, keep our employees happy, so you've got all that. So you've got to be a little bit flexible in what you're doing. Depends on the time of the year. If we do it, like when we go out and do the cattle work at Quambone, once we eventually get into that block, it's like, yes, I already know that I've got to go out there, I've got to get the house in order, I will be cooking for them, I'll probably be filling in in the yards with my joggers on to get away. <laughs> to do what I can there because we know that that is just a job that has got to be done. It'll probably mean pulling Will out of school for a week or so while we're out there, which he's happy to do. He's in year 10, he hates school anyway, so yeah. it's like, and the more hands on deck, the better. And at the moment, we can't get hands anyway, so yeah, it's got to be us. It's got to be us. Yeah, yeah, we do what we need to do. That's it. You do what, what you need, need to, to do. do. Harvest time. If you need to do a parts run into the bargain, well, off you go. Yes, yes. <laughs> there's always a parts run at some point. Oh, there's always a parts run. <laughs> so my next question is: What was the biggest hurdle or learning curve? Um, so whether that's that could be in either of the enterprises, that could be. Um, on either of the properties that could be moving into Terry's family um, set up. Yeah, probably some of the biggest hurdles you can come across. And like I said, coming from a farming background and a practical farming background, because even with Dad, 
you know, I had to be pretty hands-on, so you knew what we'd done. And also I worked up in the Northern Territory and you worked up in the Gulf. So it was like, you, you were fairly hands-on. And even when I was working over in Canada, that was also sitting on tractors and messing around with, with cattle and stuff. Some of your learning curves, though, is actually working out how you fit into the family structure and how the skills that you bring fit into that. Because you're even though you're moving in with somebody, you're also moving into a business and everybody's set in their ways and they do this, that and the other. And it's like, okay, how does your skill set, how does your personality fit into all of this? Because it's all not going to just magically all fit and bind in and everything's going to be lovey-dovey and it's all going to be McLeod's daughters. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> Anyone who's been there, done that, can tell you she's not McLeod's daughters by any way. It's like, hell no. No. <laughs> you've, got, you've got to work out how... And, and you've sort of got to, I suppose, put yourself out there a little bit and say, hang on, I can do that. Yeah. And it's like, this is where my skill set sits. This is so how I will value add to the this business. This is how and... I am value adding and this yeah. is how I will feel part of this as well. This yeah. is what I can add. And we all can't sit on headers and tractors and, you know, and do all that fluffy stuff. It's like, I will fully admit, I own a header. I have no idea how to drive it. I know how to lift its comb up and down and put its auger in now. Yeah. Not my problem. Boys yeah. have got to do that. They've got to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> That's not my skill set. My skill set is in a different area. I can do the paperwork. You put paperwork in front of them and they're just like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? We're out of here. I'll look at that in a minute. <laughs> really? Can't you do that? Can't you do my signature? No. No, no I cannot. No, please read it. <laughs> you need to know what's in this piece of paper. You need to know what I'm signing. Exactly. You need to know where this business is going and what we're doing and how this is going to happen. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, so sometimes you... And, and part of that, when you first step into it too, you can't just be out there and, and do that. You sort of, in a way, you've got to work your way into it but then you once you work out what your skill set is and where you fit in then you can start going yeah right i know what i'm doing in this area yep this is how it needs to be done yep so and that develops with the change of season and the change of life a change of life and everything else and everything you think you've got it going good and then something else will throw a spinner in the works and you've got to Keep going. It, it, sometimes it's a cycle. You've just got to keep going through that cycle. Yes. Yep. What do you wish that you knew before coming back into the agriculture industry or was there a defining moment where you thought, I wish I knew this beforehand? Don't know whether there was. I suppose one of the things... Yeah, I... I've never really had the blinkers on, I don't think, to actually say there's a defining moment in anything. Yeah. It's like, I mean, we've had times, before I moved in with Terry, I'd already got myself set up in in town. I was working at the bank and whatever else. I mean, I'm still going back to the family farm at Moree a bit. Um, but he was saying, just move in with me, you know, we're at this age, let's... But his house was not very <laughs> attractive. <laughs> And so I was sort of saying, well, actually, I've got a perfectly decent house, you know, with running water and all the mod, you know, I'm not moving in with you until we do something with the house. That's the way it's got to be. Had I been a bit younger with stars in your eyes, you would have gone, oh, yes, it's all good. We'll come here and we'll fix everything up after, you know. It's like, hell no, I'm not that gullible. (laughs) I know that if it's not done now now, and it's not done before I move in, it it probably won't get done. It will get done and we'll keep talking about it and that is just the way it is. And so I suppose having the the gumption to just stand up and say, as much as I want to be with you, 
I've got a house here with walls and running water and everything else, and this is, you know, yeah. I've got a garden. Let's yeah. until we do something with your house, we're just going from house to house, buddy. That's the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Setting boundaries early. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not that it matters, but I mean, yeah. once you're actually in that situation though, and you know, and everybody's different, like Terry's not a big house and garden's not his forte at yeah. all. He comes home and just, he's exhausted and expects yeah. dinner, that's it. Yeah. You know, if, if he has to do the barbecue, he's then exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with me, it's like, okay, you're, you're there. Some of the things that you do need to know when you're going into this sort of situation, okay, you're moving into a business, you're moving into a house, and you are going to be out of town if you're on a farm and you're a farm wife. That's just the way it is. You are not going to be able to get a plumber anytime soon, no matter what. So you have to actually be able to roll up your sleeves every now and then and fix a few things like for yourself. Yeah. Don't be afraid to have your own set of tools. Yeah. They don't have to, you're not going out to fix the engine in your car or anything like that. Somebody yeah. else can do You've got to know how to tighten the drawer, you know, the you cover doors. Yeah. You've got to know how to pull your shower head off and unclog it if you've got too much crap come through your water and done that. If your toilet's blocking up, you've got to know how to get the hose up the sewer and, and yep. unblock it yourself because sometimes, you know, even with you, Ned's out there on the tractor. If something's going wrong in here, yep. you're going to have to deal with have it a little bit. Yeah. And that's just the reality of living in here. You can't say, that we'll just get the plumber to come and fix this. Yeah. Not going to happen. Right. It'll be weeks. It'll be we- <laughs> it will be weeks, and you can't. Some modern comforts, and that probably was also brought home a bit when I was working up in the Northern Territory and also in the Gulf. And apart from living west of Moree, where you just knew even growing up, if something yeah. went wrong, well, okay, we're out with the shovel, and you know, you're out with the hose, and you're fixing yeah. up, finding whatever's leaking where, if the cattle got in the house yard and trashed the taps, where you got to, you've got to know how to turn off your water, yeah, and start to deal with things and maybe dig a hole where you know that there's an issue so that even if you can't fix it you've got it half sorted before somebody comes up yeah so it's like so yeah don't be afraid to have your own tools and shovel yes (laughs) have that independence have Have that little bit of okay i need to work out how to do this problem solving you've got to be able to problem solve yeah yeah yeah. Consult Dr. Google. I mean, even fixing <laughs> toilets. If your toilet won't flush, consult Dr. Google. Work out why the water inlet's not working. Yeah. If you've got to go to Bunnings when you're in town and get it, you know, and have a spare inlet valve in your cupboard just in case something goes wrong, do it. Yeah. And then you can feel empowered because you've actually done it. You go, hang on a minute. Setting yourself up for success. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's not the things that you never set. You didn't set out to do it. You didn't set out to be a trainee plumber. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you've got torches and candles because you never yes. know when you're going to need them. Yeah, and sometimes when the power goes out, it's it's out for 24 hours, 72 hours. You're not in town as far as enough. When when your power goes out and you're on, let's face it, you're on a feeder somewhere from, you know, you can have anything going wrong. You can have a fire somewhere that's burnt down a power line. You can yeah. have, you know, God only knows what happens. And I know, especially living in Western Moree, we actually had a generator because we were on the end of the line and, it, you're, you know, you've only got a few people there. If, if Country Energy or whatever they are now have got a 1,000 people out in one area and two people out in your area, well, they're not going to fix your line first. No. Okay, you're down the list a little bit, so you just got to know how to cope, have your barbecue and your gas, yeah. have your torch, have your rainwater tank so that you've actually got a tap on it outside so you've got access to water when your pressure pump's not working and go, right, 
and everyone is outside behind the trees because we've got no flushing. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Having that little backup water as well just to purge when people forget is, is always handy. Yes, as that's well. always very handy. <laughs> we always have some extra containers just in. Just in, in case. case. You've always <laughs> got to have a few little just in case. And these are things that you probably don't think about if you're living in town or you haven't been in that situation. But once you've been there, you go. And I know a couple of, it was Harvest 2020, I think it was. You know, we've got a whole heap of people. And then there was a lot of storms went through and out at Alagalar. We didn't have power for, it was over 48 hours. Yeah. And when you've got 20 of you living in the same spot. Yeah. <laughs> When you're the cook trying to work out what you're going to do with no electricity, we got some generators going so we could keep the fridges going, but, you know, you weren't producing enough electricity to actually have the stove and everything else going. So they all, you know, it was like, okay, I've got enough. And I was cooking on the barbecue anyway. When, you, when you're trying to cook for that many people, it's yeah. like, geez, yeah, we've got a big enough barbecue to do it. And so it's like, it's like okay, nobody's going inside. There's plenty of trees. Yeah. That's it. You're all outside. When it came to things like bathing, we had a water hole. Yeah, but the, the down at the ski dam was like anyone that wants a bath, you've actually got to go for a swim down at the ski dam and probably do it clothes and all. Yeah, <laughs> and that was what we did for forty eight. You know, that's what yeah. you just had to do because it was hot too, and everyone was sweaty and it was steamy because yeah. you had all these storms. And it's like, yeah, yeah, hell no, we've just got yeah. to. Everyone's got to go swimming. That's what you got to. Yeah, that's yeah. just the way you cope. And we, you know, wasn't an issue. Yeah, and you've got to prioritize what's going to go off first. Okay, we're all having that to start with. Exactly. Because you don't know how long it's going to last. And, you know, if you're all eating, I don't know, salad on the last day, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it is what it is. It's like, okay. And then, you, you know, because we were able to keep the fridges and freezers going, now, it's like, okay, well, we've still got that side of it going. You know, if we're eating sausage sandwiches, well, so be it. We'll get through this. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you've got to be a little bit flexible in what you can and cannot do, no matter what, whether it's just you guys at home with your, your family or whatever else, or whether you've actually got to, you're dealing with the crew at the time. Yeah. So. What was the best piece of advice that was given to you uh, either before moving to the, to the farm or once you were there that you reflect on? That one's also a hard one because yeah. nobody really gave me any advice. Yep. Anywhere. One of the things that I will say though, and it's probably more myself than anything, is if when you move on to farm, you think, oh, it's all lovey dovey, we're out here on the farm and we'll do this together and we'll do that together. What you, you need to do, and it's the same whether, you, whether you're moving in onto a farm, whether you're moving to a new community, whether you're moving to a new country. Yeah. So you need to actually get involved with the local community in your own right. Yeah. Not just as the offshoot of your partner. You go out and and find your own little, you know, find your own little group. Now, whether for you that's CWA, whether it's the RFS, whether it's whatever else happens, the tennis club, the hall committee, go and find something for yourself. Yeah. It's like go and meet your own people. Yeah. And and make yourself. Nobody's going to come to your door and include you in anything and, it, and like I said it doesn't matter whether it's a new street you've moved into in town whether it's a new town whether it's a new country yeah if you don't get involved with the local community and what's happening there you're actually going to be quite isolated and yeah when you first start out you think oh it's all lovey-dovey we're in a little bubble and everything's fine you know because I'm so-and-so's other half I'll be invited to everything no you won't <laughs> it doesn't work that way as you well know yeah it's like you've got to go out and make your own mark. And I know even with me, like, I am heavily involved with a lot of things like CWA and RFS and, yeah. you know, New South Wales farmers and yourselves in the National Shorthorn Show and Sale and all yeah. the rest of the stuff. But that was me going out 
and meeting my own group of, yeah. you know, like, like-minded people in a lot of ways. And it's like you go out, you, can, you have something different to bring to the table then as yeah. far as, as the farm business itself and who your connections are. Yeah. Well, one of the reasons why I actually joined the Borough of Dean RFS was because, okay, Terry and Joe, they've been... Same farm, same area since 1895. <laughs> they know who they want to know. They've made up yes. their minds about what their neighbours are, who their neighbours are, who's related to who, who does what, you know, whether they want to talk to them or not or whatever it happens to be. I stepped in there not knowing anyone in that little district, no. but that is my little district. Yeah. And that's where I live. You don't, So you've got to get to know the people that live around there somewhere. By being part of the RFS, it means, okay, I know the people that are in the RFS. When we go to a call-out, you know whose place you're going to because somebody will say, oh, that's so-and-so's place. You're yeah, like, oh, that's where they live. That's, that's where they live. Let's check this out as we, you know, <laughs> let's check this out as we go. <laughs> yes. But that's it. So, that is, it's so, so there's other people then in the community that know who I am for me and what I can actually contribute to that community. Yes. Yeah. And that's the way it is. And so it doesn't just have to be your local community here. Like I said, I'm also involved with CWA. It's like, well, so you're, you're seeing people yeah. that are not necessarily close, living close to you, not necessarily your neighbours, but they're like-minded people. And it's the same with New South Wales farmers. You're getting all these other connections through the state and whatever else. So you're not yeah. relying just solely on your little fam, family farm business unit yeah. for your social interaction and also your own personal getting different ideas from people, getting... You know, sometimes you can just bounce something off somebody else that's totally away from your little area and sometimes that's good for your headspace. Yeah, it stops that alienation. It also stops, like, feeling like you can't contribute to the local community or to the farm because if you, by speaking to people in the in the area, you know, if you can't get lupins yeah. from your regular... Uh, distributor, you can say, oh, did you know so-and-so had a crop in this year? They don't usually do it. Maybe we can see if they've got a spare couple of tonne. Especially or... when you're trying to find seed and stuff. Mm. Like, mm. you know, you can say so-and-so or you might casually mention somebody something and somebody says, oh, we, we're actually trying to find feed rations for something. Do you have a truckload of barley? And it's yeah. like, well, actually... We do. We do. <laughs> <laughs> or, hey, or can we help, you know, yeah. help with things like that? You know, you can do all that other sort of stuff too. Or sometimes you might find out that somebody's got a similar interest to you and they might be involved in, I don't know, the quilting group or yeah, just something along those lines. And you go, well, actually, I wouldn't mind yeah. seeing what that's like. It yeah. just gives you that little bit of, and it does, it stops the alienation because you're not then relying on your your husband or your husband's family or whatever else for your social interactions you're like going you just stand there and go hey you're cooking for yourself tonight because i'm actually going out and doing this yeah and doing something different and thinking about something different yes yeah yeah because you can get quite caught up in just the running of the business and just what's happening and what you've got to do next and sometimes that makes your job list feel overwhelming when you've got that that break and you've got that change, you can be like, I'm good now. You have, you have a mind reset. Instead yeah. of seeing what's happening out there, you're looking out your window, you go off and you see something different and you go, well, actually, yep. it's okay, I can cope with this now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's like the mass play a few yeah. years ago. And it's like, oh, what we did to stop the mice getting on the table is we put the table in dishes of water. Yes, right. 
haven't lived through a mouse plague before, I'll get bricks and a dishwater and yes. just, I just need them not to be on a surface. A surface. How do or, I keep them out of the kids' cot? Well, yeah. actually, we've put ice cream bowls of water under the yeah. legs and people like that that have lived through different experiences, while you look at them for initially and think, oh, well, you're old and what would you know? <laughs> thing is that sometimes they've actually, well, yeah. not sometimes, they have been yeah. through this sort of stuff. What happens when the dust's just coming underneath your doors? How are you going to stop this in a drought and a dust storm? What are you going to do with the mouse plate? What happens when, you know, this, that and the other or the... You yep. just go... And it just gives you that little... You just... You're not as isolated. You're not, you're not then trying to just deal with everything yourself. It's like, okay, I can, can go and bounce or just hear somebody saying, passing, this is what I'm doing. And you go, actually, that'll work where I am. Yeah. And, and so it also means that if something goes wrong and, like, you know, if Terry's not home for me or Ned's not home for you or whatever else and you go, oh, hell, you know, everything's really going pear-shaped and we've got water spitting off and going everywhere and I can't cope. You've actually then got somebody that you might be able to ring and say, hey, I've got a few issues here. Can yeah. you come and give me a hand? Yeah. And it's like, just knowing, you might never use them. No. But sometimes knowing that you've got somebody that you can ring, yeah. if something's just going a little bit pear-shaped and you know that everybody else is tied up doing their own stuff for whatever reason, you can just call on somebody else. And it takes that little bit of angst and anxiety away from what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say would be some of the most important lessons? We've covered a lot, but what would you say your sort of your top five might be? Okay, my top five tips, I suppose. You've got to work out your own strengths and weaknesses. Yep. Don't just sit there and be a mouse. It's because if you be a mouse, well, that's what you'll be. You'll be a mouse. It's like, no, you've got to work out what your usefulness is. Yep. And, and, and then build up your own self-confidence within the business unit, within the farm. Because you are, yes, you're here, you're doing the whole thing. But because you're living and working in the business whatever structure that may be, you've got to find your fit there, but you've also got to have your own self. Yep. So it's like make sure you've got your confidence. Um, just don't assume that you're going to be part of the community. Yep. Go and join your community yep. because you won't be part of the community unless you are actually putting yourself out there. Yep. You get out what, what you, you put, put in. in. <laughs> and that is just it. And, that, and it also gives you a few different people to talk to. You, and with any organisation you join, you're not going to like everyone. You're not going to be besties with everyone. That's just the way it is. Yep. But so long as you've got a little bit of connection with a few people, that's always a big help. Um, the other thing, don't be afraid to own your own tools. Yeah. Make sure you've got a screwdriver set, you've yep. got a pair of pliers, hammer's really handy, shovel. Yeah. <laughs> you're not out there to go and fix your cars, you're not going out there to, you know, be all tradey and whatever else. You're there to make sure that you can do a little bit of maintenance on your house because sometimes nobody else is actually going to do it. No. So you've got to be a little bit self-sufficient. <laughs> they don't have to be pink either, they can just be cheap orange ones from Bunnings. Um, you might sit there and think your household bills, your electricity, you know, your car, whatever else is paid for by the business. You know, ha, oh, the business is paying for this. And then you're berating your hubby or whoever for working long hours in the business. It's like this. It's like, even though it's a business expense, somebody has got to pay that expense. And that somebody being the business is actually yeah. the farm. Is the farm. It yeah. is the farm. There is no shortcut. There is no special money pit just because somebody calls it a business. Yeah. It's no different to being a wage earner. And it's just a, when you're a farmer, you've got to help a lot more bills. <laughs> so, you, <laughs> so you do more hours. So you do more hours because <laughs> you've got more bills. <laughs> yes. And, that, and mother, and, and on to that. Yeah, so you, you might go, oh, you know, we're living here. Okay, we're not paying rent because we're living on the farm. Big deal. Somewhere or other, somebody's actually paying the mortgage on the farm. Yes. That'll be the farm and that's what you're doing outside. Yep. So there's no shortcuts 
to having money, having a living. Yeah. It's like you work, you can have a living, you don't work, things are going to go downhill. Yeah. That's <laughs> Somebody eventually has got to work. Someone needs to contribute. Somebody. somebody has got to contribute. Whether that's you or someone else in the partnership. Exactly. Yeah. And somewhere or other, somebody's got to be supporting somebody else. So yeah. that's just the way it is. Ma nature will always rule the roost, no matter what you think. Ma nature. Yes. <laughs> I haven't heard it referred to like that before. <laughs> yes. She is the absolute ruler, whether you like it or not. Whatever's happening outside, there is no such thing as public holidays. You can't be sick if you're feeding livestock. Yeah. They don't care. They don't give a rats. It's like... And if a storm's coming and the crop needs harvesting, it doesn't matter whether it's Christmas Eve. Yeah. Because otherwise that car payment and that free rent thing that you think you've got going, they're not going to happen. Not gonna happen. <laughs> so, yeah. And that's just the way it is. So it's not like if you're in a way, like a wage earner style job where you can say, oh, look, I can have four weeks off up here because of this. No, no, Mother Nature's got all that covered going, yeah. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, we're going to put that on hold. We're going to put that on hold. You're going to be doing this and your flea bane's really getting away now unless you control it now. Yeah. You ain't having a winter crop. Yeah. <laughs> so, Good so, old Mother Nature. Yeah, so <laughs> Mother Nature, she's in control whether you like it or not. Yeah. Which also means, yeah, okay. Um, and what happens now and, and what you're doing now actually impacts with years to come as far as your livestock husbandry, as far as your crop rotations, yeah. whatever you're doing. Let's face it, the cattle that we've all got on hand now that we're getting ready to sell, okay, they're roughly that 18 months, two years old jobbies, they were conceived nearly three years ago. So it was what happened three years ago and whether we had those cattle in condition to actually cycle and conceive is impacting what is happening now as far as our livelihoods. Yeah. So it's like you can't just say, oh, look, we'll leave that paddock out there and we'll fix that next week. It's because it's actually going to have an impact for years to come. Yeah. And so we can't, you, you just can't get away from that and think, oh, we'll just put everything on hold and we'll go off and have a month's holiday somewhere and think that that's going to be okay because in the end there is actually long-term impacts and that's one thing with this sort of industry. And there'll be other industries too where the same thing happens whether you're in, you know, in transport industries they have their own little bits and pieces. It doesn't matter what sort of business you're effectively marrying into, whether it's a probably not so much with your tertiary industries, industries such as your accountants and solicitors and doctors and all that sort of stuff. But when you're actually working in a primary industry, which is your base industry, yeah. what you do now does really affect what happens in three years' time. Yeah, yeah. and it's, a, it's one of those industries where it's very much along the lines of getting used to thinking, not only long-term, but short-term, and rotating between the two on every problem-solving and every planning mission that you do yes. is, is along that that rotation between both, you've got to look at it from both sides. You do. It's like, okay, we've got this short-term thing, we've got to go and control, we've got to get that paddock ready for sowing this year, keep our flea bank control, conserve our moisture, whatever else. When you're going through that, you're then looking at your stubble load because that'll have impacts on next year's crop when you get to there. What you're putting in next year will then have, have an impact on what crop rotation you have the following year because otherwise, you know, if you've got two back-on-back weeds, well, maybe you need to actually put a barley or, or a chickpeas or lupins or something to have a bit of a disease break. If you've left a heap of stubble from last year, that means your sowing this year is going to turn pretty ordinary because you can't get through it with the air seeder. It's like, 
Yeah. There's also, same with your cattle. If your cattle are coming out of drought cattle, as we know, livestock numbers have been low because drought weren't drought cattle weren't cycling through that 17, 18, 19 period as well yeah. as they should have been. That was impacting our numbers to now. Now we're starting to hit stuff that's coming through from your 2020, 2021 years, which was actually good, and the cattle were cycling well. So, yes, so, you know, lots, yeah. lots more calves, higher carving percentage. So, and it all impacts. It does. <laughs> Okay. So Tracy, your son is with you on, on the farm, so what would you say would be your top parenting tips and tricks for having him on farm with you? Okay, the tips and tricks, it, it's a bit of a hard one because even though we are on farm, we don't live, well, you know, A, a we're coming in, we're not Cornishers, we're a little bit separate from that, so it's not like the sun and air thing happening. We also live on on one of the properties, but it's not the one where the main you know, activities happen. So he's not actually over in the shed helping them fix gear all the time because it's just not at our door. It's on a different place altogether, which sometimes does make it a little bit hard to integrate will into things. And I don't... And I'm sort of the sort of person that thinks that even though you've got your kids coming through, I can't voice them on the workers and say, you've got to deal with this child because he's the son and heir and whatever else. It's like, no, no. Will's also got to learn that he's got to work his way up. It's like you can't just walk in and push everyone out and say, well, you're the worker, you've got to do this for me. I mean, there, there has been times at harvest times and whatever else where I've had to go and move headacombs and stuff with Terry and it's like you find some random backpacker on a chaser bin and say, can you just have this child for a couple of hours? Here's his bickies in his water bottle. <laughs> He'll be fine. He'll be fine. I'll see you at tea time when I come and deliver dinner. And, and so there has been that, and he's, and he's enjoyed doing that. Now that he's a little bit older, though, we are sort of going more... And, and I've, I suppose I've also been a big one. Because you sort of see it in farming families where everyone presumes that every you know kids want to come through and want to be farmers. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes that is putting a square peg in a round hole and it is actually the wrong thing you can do for your kids. Again, as we're talking about with Will, I don't want him to think that he can just step in and, and take over because he can't. We're in a... a intergenerational family thing, you know, we, we're coming into the fray. Sometimes you're still trying to find your place, and I think yeah. that's just the way it always is with this whole yeah. family show. That being said, the older that he's got, um, I've always been a big one saying, wants to get out and do something. I keep on saying, you've actually got to get an apprenticeship, you've got to get a trade, because he says, I want to come back and work on the farm. It's like, yeah, yeah that's all very well, but you are going to have to have some gumption behind you to put up with everyone else that's in the family partnership for a start. Yes. Because you're stepping into it. Um, you're going to need a skill to actually bring back that is worthwhile to yep. this business, not, you know, and something so that you know in yourself you've got the confidence to say, look, I've, I've got this, I can do this. Yeah. Um, so I've sort of been saying, okay, at the end of year 10, we've got to get an apprenticeship. He actually thinks he wants to become a, a diesel mechanic at this stage. So I was like, yeah. okay, that's fine. We'll help and you that do that. And that would be helpful. That would be helpful. <laughs> In the meantime, over the last couple of years, we have been a little bit um, staff insufficient, <laughs> as everyone has. So I think it was in 2021, we ended up, or am I, am I yeah, anyway, 2021, I think we stuck him on the silo bag. Like, oh, we're capable and able to do it. That was it. And it was actually, Terry had stuck me on the silo bag. He'd gone back to do something. Will had just sort of stepped up after we'd been alone for a few minutes and said, Mum, can you show me how to do this? Mm-hmm. I'll show you how to do it, what you've got to do to keep the tractor straight, what you've got to do with the pressure and everything else on it. Had him going on it. And then Terry come back half an hour later and said, can you teach Will how to use the silo bagger because we need to go on with fuel trucks and stuff. And I said, well, actually, he's already doing it. And we're like, okay, see you, Will. You've now got the silo bagger. 
so he sat on the silo bag for most of harvest and part of that was actually when we moved paddocks, you've got to take your tractor, you've got to get your silo bagger through the gate yourself. You know, you're all part of the team. So and so and which was actually good for him because he liked doing that. He also got time sitting on the tractors with the augers because we've got some augers that are PTO operated into, into some of the silos and stuff and so he was doing a bit of that and, and helping out a little bit there. Um, and, and then in 2021 harvest he actually did a little bit more of that sort of stuff he also had a little bit of a go on the chaser bins and in the headers just yep. to get a bit of a feel for them but he said i wasn't quite ready you know yep. because you need a little bit more spatial awareness and he was only 13 it's a little bit you know still and because he hadn't grown up per even though he's a farm kid he's sort of a not an experienced farm kid because we haven't been living on the main thing and we haven't been pushing our way into trying to do everything so it was like so he was still a little bit you know I can't quite handle this but we did end up throwing him on the tractor with the 124 plate offsets on after harvest yeah. in 2021 and he did a couple of shifts on that and he was like actually I can handle the auto steer and the tractor and he said yeah I was probably turning too early at the end but it's like it's better doing that than hitting a tree or a fence even yeah. if you've got to do an extra lap around to do the headlands this year, even though we didn't do the harvest was pretty dismal and he didn't get too much of a, a go doing anything. We actually didn't go out there for harvest. And so but afterwards Terry said, Would we'll like to start on the tractor and the offsets? I said, Yep, righto. So we bundled him up, took him out there with, with his um with his sleeping bag and his water bottle and said, Right, you've got to live in the house with the blokes. Yep. And here you go. And so he was then doing shifts on the offset. On, and the tractors and, and we also had the ripper going and so so he would so he would so he we've would, got a child behind the camera we've got a child behind the camera helping us here and dancing now one on the floor about to wake yeah. up and so that was alright and so he was on the offsets and the rippers for the school holidays this year which was actually and now because we're also custom feeding cattle at home Terry's just getting well to go backwards and forwards, moving the hay from our hay pile yep. so that they've got the hay ready to go to put in, into the mixer for the cattle. And, and so every now and then after school, Will just goes over, gets on the tractor and does that. And so we're sort of integrating him into it a little bit that way, just getting him to do some jobs. Yeah. Which is, you know, and Will's enjoying that too. So that's the way, I don't know whether there's any right and wrong way about it. Everybody's Mommy. a little bit different. Mommy, but no, that was one of the big things. It's sort of it's also trying to bring kids through so that they don't think that if something needs doing, like as you know, there'll be bits and pieces need doing that are shitty jobs that they can just palm it off to a workman somewhere. It's like hell no. Despite the fact that you're part of the family, you've actually got to do the shitty jobs as well. You've got to learn how to do. You've that. You've got to learn how to do that. You've got to know how to unlock the kitchen sink in some, or unlock your own loo. Yeah. You can't just say, oh no, that's beneath me. I've got to go on palm that off to somebody else so yeah pretty big on that side of things and that probably comes through a little bit from the way that I grew up you know we're Western Moree if, if the if the loo was blocked up seriously dad was there like you get the shovel you get the hose yeah. you know and we're all hands in literally yeah <laughs> it's like everybody's got to do this when I was working up north if things went wrong it didn't matter whether it was Saturday Sunday your day off you'd been to the pub the night before or if the outlet for the washing machine but you know the pipes were blocked up because you know somebody had gone from three inch pipe down to two inch pipe at an inconvenient place that's where they always seem to block up <laughs> but it was like you've got to fix it you can't nobody else is going to come along and fix this stuff for you so you've actually got to, you know how to do it and I know even with me when I had you know my first car and whatever else when I was at home if I had a flat tire dad wouldn't actually let me 
any of the workmen change the tyre for me. Yeah. He used to say, no, you are changing the tyre. I used to always think that was pretty mean. He said, no. He said, so I know that you can do it when you're out on the road. Yeah. I'm like, okay, fair enough. <laughs> I can deal with that logic. <laughs> Before we got our driver's licence, Dad needed to, we needed to show Dad we could change a tyre ourselves and we had to be able to talk through the maintenance of, you know, even if it was just your wiper fluid or your coolant, checking all of it, checking your oil, knowing how to top it up. You've got to be able to do all that. So, and some of that stuff hits home. Like sometimes yeah, people get a bit airy-fairy about checking your oil and water. Okay, if you run out of fuel, big deal, you know, whatever else, you've run out of fuel. But if you run out of oil and water, you're in a lot of trouble no matter where you are. And that sort of hit home to Will a little bit here. Oh, it's pretty good. Two years ago now, it was one of the days anyway, I think all rouseabouting at the time, and then had to jump on the bikes to go, and we were missing a couple of sheep, and we had to go and look for them, and Terry said, I'll oh, just grab this one that's over in the shed, and we're out at, at one of the other places, we're out at Pine Lodge, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to check the oil before I take this bike anyways, oh, don't worry about it, the boys were riding it yesterday, everything's fine, I'm like, no, no, you I'm got check- check. I checked the oil, there was nothing on the dipstick, Yeah. and I'm like... Hang on, who's got oil in the back of the ute? I said, I'm not taking this bike anywhere. There's no oil. And it's like, holy hell, nobody's checked the oil. No, nobody had checked the oil. Yeah. And he just go, and I said, Will, that is why you do it yourself no matter what anybody says to you. Yes. <laughs> do you pre-start? <laughs> exactly, just do. Your oil and water especially because everything else you can just about do. You've got a flat tyre, yeah, well, you know, that's all right. And when Will was younger, was there anything that you did differently on the farm? Did he come with you? Did you step back from some of the jobs? It depended on what was going on at the time. Like, obviously, when he was really little and I was carting him around, you know, when he was, when he was the same size as Carol, and effectively, yes. effectively, he was sitting there and, okay, you weren't getting in the yards with the cattle because you had this kid that you had to keep a track of all the time. And so you're very conscious that if something goes wrong and you've got this kid with you, there's no coming back from that. So it's like, so you step back a bit. When he got a little bit older, yes, I was still carrying with me. I'd still, you'd jump on the bike then, you're poking along slow, you've got this kid asleep in front of you and you're trying to hang on to him as you're, you know, going along so their head didn't topple right over even though you had him strapped to you. And then as he got older, obviously, you'd, if you're mustering or whatever else, you weren't going gung-ho, you weren't, you're just poking along with him going, well, this is what I can do, I've, you know, the kid can come, you know, Will can come with me and it was great to have him on there with me You just go, look, you don't need to go gun-ho, you don't need to be flat knackered. The cows will still do what they need to do. Yeah. You don't have to run them across the paddock flat out. You just have, and you have Will on with you and away you go. And sometimes, you know, especially when we're up at the Quambone Block and the first lot of water that went through in 2016, coming from the watercourse country, Western Moree, that Gingham country, you knew what to do when you were dealing with, it's the same sort of country as Macquarie Marsh country, which is where we've got the block at Quambo. Um, Terry was trying to go from ridge to ridge, and it's like, yeah, no, this is just good. And I just said, Will, hang on and get your feet up. Yeah. And Will just went, oh, God, Mum's doing <laughs> <laughs> this. Is, this is Mum. And I was like, this is how you get through this country. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just going, oh, God, Mum's going to do something now. I've just got to hang on like a koala bear and it'll all be good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And so you do that with them and try and say, well, this, you know, you don't need to be doing, when, especially when you're dealing with bikes and stuff like that, you don't need to be doing all this show-offy, TikTok-y, you know, Rambo-style stuff. It's like, hell no, you are actually got to do something practical. You've got to make sure that you're doing things reasonably safely because in the end you've got to be able to get home. And if you yeah. hit a stump the wrong way, you hit a tree, you hit a, a hole, it's, yeah. you, there's not much, you know, yeah. you've got to be safe. <laughs> yeah, 
think the biggest thing for me was when Will was little and we had the, the farm with my first husband, just that trying to juggle the farm, the working full-time, the whole waking up several times during the night, it, it was actually, it was tough. There's no glossy, easy answer for that. And even when you're at home, you sort of got to have your whole sense of self. And I probably wasn't taking enough time. I was trying to do too much, which is not a good thing to do, even though you think you've got to do it. It's like, in the end, it's it just... As he told me, I was just fat and cranky at the time. <laughs> And so baptism by fire when you ring when you have your first. <laughs> oh no, it's a baptism by fire. And I tell you, they can when they start talking, they can be pretty straightforward too. Yes. There's no filter. No. <laughs> but yeah, no, he tells me that. So so part of it is you actually, even with kids, you have to look after you as well. I think I think the other thing is you do have to go with the flow. Yep. It's like things are going to change. You are not in a static job. It's not as so there's constant hours, there's constant things, it's not you. And you are living within a business. So it's like, and like I said before, Mother Nature dictates a lot of the terms and there's different things happening. There's different cycles. You've got your different growing cycles, whether it's cattle, whether it's sheep, whether it's cropping or whatever else. And you say so you just can't, you've got to have a fair bit of flexibility because what's happening this week is not what's going to be happening next week. And just because you've got in your head that we're going to be doing this week, this week, it's like, well, actually, maybe not. Mother Nature might just have something else in store for next week. Yeah. And so you've just got to go, well... Let it go, just go whatever will be will be, look after yourself and then go with the flow. And sometimes that flow is going to be totally against what you want to do, but you're just going to go, breathe, we can deal with this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you find what works best for you for looking after yourself? Okay, I'm fairly much into, even though I don't look like it, into fitness. Yep. Um, I have been for years and years and years. I actually trained with a personal trainer from Longreach, John McClellan, which is good. I'm also a very keen park runner. Yep. Um, you know, some Saturday mornings lately I've been doing 15 kilometres. Yep. That's just what you do each day except for basically Sundays. I will be doing something along that line. That is also a time for me, you know, so, so I run on Saturdays, I run on Tuesdays, I run on Thursdays. I actually run with a group in town on Thursday mornings. I meet some girls at quarter past six. Yep. Away we go for a run, which is good because you're also dealing with other people. You've got you've got the one thing in common, you like running. Not that I'm a fast runner, but you don't have to be. It's not about the podium, it is about you. Um, I also do like doing half marathons and stuff. I like the fitness that I'm at when I'm doing a half marathon, so working towards that again for Stampede this year. It's, and you know, I do weights and stuff at home. Like my lounge room... I don't get many visitors, so my lounge room actually looks like a gymnasium. I've got yeah. like the weights and the treadmill and the whole thing in the lounge room because that's what I use. Yeah. It's like, it's not about looking fancy, it is about me. When I'm doing that stuff, that is my time, that is, you know, and and even Will has said it to me, it's like, if I'm in a really shitty mood, it's like, go for a run, Mum, just go, because I have found that you go for a run, you have a big ball about things and just, you know, get your head space right and you go, right. I can cope with, I can deal with things now, or even if I'm not dealing with things, at least I've been for a run. That is something positive to start the day on. Yep. And that's basically what I do. Yep. Thank you, Tracy, for coming on today and talking to us on our series for You've Married a Farmer, Now What? I hope that everybody found some tips and tricks and some information in here that will help along their journey or to help someone that they know. Thank you very much, Tracy. And thank you for having me, Kat. Much appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully I have 
added some value, even if it's only a little thing, because it is a poor day if you don't learn something. So it's like, yeah. We've definitely learned something. <laughs>